Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Norbert Schmitz, CEO of Let's Talk Funds, as he shares his views on leadership and communication in the funds industry using the wonderful metaphor of pets. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. This is Rachel Treese for Flex and the City. This afternoon, I'm delighted to have Norbert Schmitz. He's introduced himself as a fabulous fund nerd and his his brand name, if you like, is Let's Talk Funds. So I'm absolutely delighted to be able to speak to Norbert Let's Talk Funds. Uh, Norbert is German. As ich neuzehn war, Norbert, ich habe ganz fließend Deutsch geredet. That means for anybody who is a listener that, that when I was 19, I did used to speak fairly good German, but not anymore. So I'm afraid, Norbert, we will have to continue this podcast in English, if that's all right with your permission. <laughs> so thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. So love for you to introduce to our listeners a short introduction to who you are and how you came to be living in Switzerland and talking funds. Um, yes. Um, hello, everybody. Um, welcome. Um, and, and special to Rachel. Um, I'm happy to talk today here to you. Uh, myself, I'm original from Germany, from, from Switzerland, and had in, finished in 1989 uh, my apprenticeship working thereafter in, in Germany, four years in Luxembourg and again in Germany, and now living and working since 15 years in Switzerland, in, uh, closely to Zurich. And yes, um, I'm working since um, in or directly on the fund industry, fund business um, asset management, and did a lot of different jobs about trading, compliance, controlling, fund accounting, custody, IT projects, uh, legal projects, Yes, and also uh, sales service and sales. And um, that's now my knowledge about this investment product, about this product. And I'm saying about myself that I'm a, a fund nerd uh, instead of a fund expert because it's, uh, I feel it uh, sounds a little bit better. And yes, and um, I like to talk and I like to talk uh, with other people. And uh, that was the reason to subtitle my company with the phrase, uh, let's talk funds and uh, let's talk about funds, let's talk for funds. Okay. And um, that's also my business now. I'm making fund sales uh, and also fund sales consulting um, for Switzerland or from Switzerland abroad, in, mostly in Europe. That means um, what does it need, um, makes this product sense, set up a project, uh, um, a fund, a project, and um, also go to market strategies and like also can open doors. And, and it's my, my business. And um, I'm always happy if I can talk about funds. Fantastic. So talking about funds and the fact that you're a fabulous fund nerd, I've noticed being a marketeer that there is a huge amount of jargon or complex vocabulary used in the funds industry. So what, what's your views, Norbert? You obviously speak many different languages and we're living in a very multicultural environment. How do you think we can keep um, the language of the funds industry more, more simple and, and straightforward? Why is it complicated? It's maybe the first question. And um, 
they are using phrases, they are using short forms, prips, and uh, so on. And it's coming more or less, I, I guess, for marketing to, to show competence. It's the same if you are going in a shop and buying, uh, would like to buy you know, a laptop or something technically, then the, the sales guy is explaining you stuff that you doesn't can be working with uh, CPU and storage, gigabyte, megabyte, terabyte, kilobyte, and so on. And uh, you, you can't really handle with these at all. Um, and you need to simplify it. It's the same as a lawyer. You can, he can easily say to you, you are right or you're wrong uh, because of CCC's law. But what he is doing, he's adding always the numbers, article one, two, three, part one, point C and point D with CCC's limits, but uh, it, doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't give him added value. It is the only added value that he looks much more competent mm. if he is naming these details. And that makes also the, the uh, jargon of this fund industry complicated or much more complicated as it be needed. Why is it or where is it coming from? Maybe it's from the history. There was an issue in the last 10, 20 or more years. And then they are setting up a controlling and information and uh, so on, and always adding it, adding it and developing it. And it getting more and more makes it more and more complicated. On the same hand, makes it more secure. The needed is, and especially from people who needs to explain it to others, uh, like sales or like a team leader who needs um, to introduce something new, needs to understand it by himself at first that he can reduce it to the point that he explained it very easily, mostly with an example, but very easily and um, bring in social bridge. It's, my mom is now 83 years old, and from time to time I need to explain you why my business is going good or worse or what's easy, what's complicated. And I need to find words that she can understand it in this situation. Maybe she's not memorizing it for a long time because it's not her business, but you need to explain complicated stuff in, the, in a way to an eight-year-old child that the eight-year-old child can explain it to an eight-year-old friend of, of him or her. and you need to take sure that both understand about what you have spoken. And that's something to, to thinking on the listener more than what, what you are knowing. Absolutely. I think you've beautifully articulated that, a great metaphor there, Norbert. Again, and I'm getting great joy about having this fabulous fund nerd on, on my podcast. I'm really, really curious about what your views are about the scalability of the funds industry. Is it scalable, Norbert? Can it scale up? You know, what's your views on that? The main problem is I'm, I'm born and grown up on a farm. Yeah. And, and this business is also needs to be, you need to have more land, more animals at the same time to be profitable. And this scale is also on the farm business. They are coming up new, niche, they say, of of themselves boutique providers, asset manager, fund initiators, 
that are nice, but they are uh, too small to be uh, profitable on a, on a cost basis or on a product basis. And that makes it a little bit critical. Uh, it needs to be better new ideas and it needs to be a start with bigger team where everybody can bring in stuff. For example, fund administrators with 20 funds that are too small, they need 200 funds to be for profitable to me, optimize uh, on a technical way. And uh, if you are too small, isn't you saying, okay, it's more easier to, to hiring a people who, who's doing it manually instead of developing your company and developing the sector. Very good. Talking about scalability or, or the opposite of scalability, I can't leave this uh, podcast without asking you a question about you know, probably one of Europe's possible biggest mergers that would ever happen, the UBS and, and Credit Suisse merge. So I'm really curious about what your own views are on, on the risks around that, Norbert. And first of all, I'm, I'm thinking it's everything done. Uh, it was needed to do something, uh, but it was done a little bit too quick. Yeah. And um, the, the problem of the missing trust to Credit Suisse is a little bit uh, covered by the name of UBS, but the problem is not really covered. I give you the, the example of um, the credit defaults rates from Credit Suisse. It was before the merger out, going up to, I don't know, 200, 300 bips. And UBS, normal credit defaults rate of a bank is something 10 to 30 bips. And even UBS was before on 60 bips. And now with the, um, with the, with the starting of this merger, uh, UBS had a credit default rate of 120. I'm not up to date, but uh, it's very closely to, to, to this. And you're seeing that the, the problem is um, uh, not really uh, covered. Secondly, what you need to know is what does it as uh, a risk as around will the new bank profit of the people of the competence of each together? For example, Credit Suisse wasn't so badly. A couple of years ago, it was the only Swiss bank who was involved in the IPO of Aramco in Saudi Arabia. And it was a hutch deal and it gives a very high reputation. And there are people, individuals, who has a very high competence. I'm knowing it from the bond institutional management. They have problems to, uh, to getting new uh, orders or new mandates uh, due to the reputation of Credit Suisse, but they have a very high competence. And that is a little bit the, 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 the challenge and the leadership of UBS Credit Suisse and the merged bank um, to holding this competence inside. Because also UBS is thinking, oh, they are coming competence from Credit Suisse. I think it's better I'm, I'm looking for something new. And the same, at the same time, the Credit Suisse guy is thinking self. So they're going self-employed as a boutique, or they're going to a broker, to a foreign bank, American bank, or wherever. And they're taking over this competence. And after uh, finalizing this merger, UBS and Credit Suisse New Bank has a big problem. Right. Yeah? And um, I guess that needs to be leaded in a very good, 
good way. I mean, you've spoken about people and you've talk, talked about leadership quite quite a lot there. And I know that you, you yourself do a huge amount of humanitarian work. So I'd love to have your own views on leadership and, and the humanitarian work that you do and the motivation behind that, Norbert. Yeah, how to lead people. It's, it's a two-part what you need to, to, to following up from my point of view. One point is you need to love people. You can't can lead people if you doesn't like to communicate, if you doesn't like to listen, if you doesn't like to, to think about the view of others. You need to, to like to be a friend. You need to like to be connected with others. And the other point is, and I make always the example, that you need to lead people like you lead at home your home animal a cat or a dog you are selecting this animal as a kitten as a young dog and then take it over for the lifetime of the dog and you can't can say unless if there's some other big changes but in in general um, you hold it if you have selected a dog who is stupid and getting worse with it with him because or her because and the dog is not doing what you want. Uh, he's not understanding or memorizing it. Um, same to a cat who is always running on the table and you put in every time above, but the cat is too clever to going again on it. <laughs> but but you need to, to this animal, you need to have the competence to giving them an influence to what you need. Yeah, not um, to, to hear to you to following comments and so on. And if you're transferring these influence to an animal, to an, um, how you can act, communicate individually with people of your team or with, with, uh, with, with someone that, where you are the leader for, um, that's a, a part where you can understand my way of leadership. It's less to giving competent, uh, uh, comments and instructions. It's more to giving competence. And that's quite also brings me to, you can't can always change your stuff. If you have hired someone, you need to understand as like your kitten, you need to hold it for the more or less a lifetime, unless some special reasons there are. But uh, normally, oh, he, he didn't, well, my instructions, I'm, I'm looking for something, someone new. Um, you can't can bring the kitten back after four weeks and uh, taking a new one. And then you have the same problem again and bringing it back and taking a new one. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for yourself. It doesn't work for your, your company and doesn't work from the employee. And that's my understanding. Yeah, well, I and love what you're saying here. It's, it's really about sustainable performance and yeah, when I know my own cat, Ronnie, you know, you never, you'd never give him away. So, so I love what you're saying here. It's really powerful. Yeah, and 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 you need to to love people, and you need to love your your team, unless if you are, there are some people unfriendly people there. But they are opposite of this setup. It needs your competence of communications, and it needs time. It's not done quickly. But on the other hand around, if you are looking for someone new and need to, to instruct them and bending it in inside the company, it takes also time. Uh, so it's not really lost. And if the, the people are 
feeling that you'll be really interested in to them, uh, then um, they are staying longer and are be loyal and um, bringing that in what you need. And and that's the way if you if you're coming from the uh, humanitarian works that, that I'm also doing, if you have this understanding and and automatization to your to your con communication, to your way to act with others, then you're doing the same with in the humanitarian work. For example, I have lead um, different, uh, I was volunteering in, in Jordan several times um, for refugees, mostly from Syria, but also from other countries. And um, I lead their projects. For example, we uh, built uh, shear sports with these fixtures where they can hold thereafter. And, but I need to also instruct other guys who are helping and assisting them. I need to bringing them to the motivation that they influence, unless that they don't speak in Arabic as well, that they uh, don't know how, how it uh, practically going. But with the mindset to helping it, to controlling, giving new information or giving the same information again and again up to the point that they're understanding it. And, and that helps um, also in this humanitarian way. Absolutely. It's wonderful work that you're doing. So, and when you're not doing that and, and, and talking funds and doing all, all that work that you do, what are you doing outside of your work in financial services and your humanitarian work? I'm doing a lot of humanitarian work, but um, um, by side, I'm, I'm doing a little bit sports, uh, walking, swimming in the lake. I'm living on the Lake of Zurich. Um, also, I'm cooking. Um, I, I like to um, uh, connecting with friends, um, meeting them for dinner, for a glass, and, and talking with them about different topics, for example, socializing and socializing in, in society or something like this, and, and bringing uh, to a point. Um, sometimes also reading and it brings a bridge or it gives a picture of my person. I like to talk. I like to talk in my free time. I like to talk with people uh, on a personal way and preferring um, to giving a call instead of giving an, an, an voice, giving an, a text message on the mobile. And um, that's, that's, that's the point. Um, for example, um, what I, I can say also, what I'm not doing, I'm, I'm not listening to TV. I'm not even owning a television. I <laughs> surprised people sometimes of myself as they're coming home saying, uh, where do you have your TV? And I say, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And I think you're also a in a choir. Do I understand you correctly? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, nice to remember it. Um, yes, I'm, I'm singing sometimes from time to time. Um, I'm singing in a church choir mm -hmm. here in the village where I'm living. It's a, a brilliant point to concentrate on a limited time. And from time to time also I'm singing solo, also classical music, classical church music, classical opera music, um, mostly for myself, but uh, very sudden also for us yes. very good so we've never had a chorus on our show on Flex in the City 
So I then have to ask you this question. Um, what is it that the financial services industry could learn from that beautiful art of, of being in a choir? Oh, that's um, a good question. If you're singing uh, on a choir, and um, if you're singing at first in general, you need to open your mouth and giving out uh, some voice and noise. And with these uh, in a choir, you need to listen more as you are singing because you need to listen that your music, what you're producing, are fulfilled uh, with the arrangement, for example, with the um, different voice areas, soprano, alt, uh, tenor, uh, baritone, and building it up to one unit at the same time one unit of four, six, three, two, whatever um, the arrangement of the choir is, and bringing it up inside of it. So it's be complementary inside. And if I'm, I'm bringing up this to, to an organization, to a big organization, for example, if you're singing, you need to bring in your own personality, you need to bring in, in your own voice, but at the same time in the arrangement of the group of the full choir and it's the same in a company you need to bring in your own personality you need to do your job but you never should forget that you are in a group and you need to be complementary with all of it and that's something what you can how you can transfer from a church choir to a financial big organization <laughs> Yeah. I think that was beautifully explained. Uh, Norbert Schmitz, ich bedanke mich so sehr for being here this afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us on Flex and the City. Thank you also for speaking speak and, um, and greeting to everybody who's listening. You just listened to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.